Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ramblin' Rev. My name is Pastor Scott Dalen. I'm an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa, and I produce these podcasts every week for a couple of different reasons. The first of which is to take my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week and move into the process of writing and preparing the sermon that I'll preach to my congregation for the weekend. That is the first. And the second is just to allow you, the listener, who are graciously getting of your time to listen to me ramble for a while, just to gain some different insight in the assigned text for the week based on the revised common lectionary. Now, I'm a few episodes into this podcast, and if you've been listening, you know I usually will kind of burrow into the gospel lesson that is assigned along with the lectionary. Occasionally I will deviate from that, but typically when I am preaching, that's what I go with from the gospel. I'm going to speak about the gospel again this week, although this is probably going to be a pretty brief one. And yet again, I'm not actually going to be preaching on this passage. So this is just a little bit of shooting from the hip, kind of a few thoughts based on the passage that we have. Now, this particular Sunday, which is December 29th, 2019, it's the first Sunday of Christmas. We are in the midst now of the 12 days of Christmas, as they say. We have Christmas Day, and then the 12 days after that, that leads up to the day of Epiphany, which is always on January 6th. Um, And usually, uh, just depending on the way that the calendar itself falls or the days of the week fall, We'll have either one, and then sometimes you'll get a second Sunday of Christmas before we get to Epiphany. Now, that's going to happen again this year. We've got this coming Sunday on the 29th. We'll also have January 5th will be the second Sunday of Christmas, so we'll actually get two Sundays in that season this particular time around. But our assigned text for this week comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now, if you happen to catch the episode for last Sunday, which was the 22nd of December, we had the announcement of the birth of Jesus or the pending birth of Jesus by the angel in a dream to Joseph. And that was kind of what I focused in on. And I talked some about Joseph's role as adoptive parent, as provider, and and really as protector of the infant baby and then the child, Jesus. And we have that same sense that's really picking up now. This particular week and this particular text is one that's, it's kind of a difficult text. It's known as the slaughter of the innocents, and it zeroes in on Herod the Great and his attempt to kill the new quote-unquote king by killing a bunch of babies around the area. This ties in pretty closely with the visit of the Magi or the wise men, as we know, uh, although that particular story will pop up at Epiphany. That's the one that is uh, assigned for, for that particular day. So it's interesting just the way that the days of the week or the the seasons or the focal points, whatever we want to call it, are falling, uh, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit. A week ago, we we actually had the birth narrative, but most of it was anticipatory with Joseph and nature, which is why it still worked for Advent. This week, we've got this oddball thing with the slaughter of the innocents and kind of the traveling around of the Holy Family because of that, which will make a little bit more sense after I read it. And then next time, we'll, we'll then back up a little bit to catch the story of the wise men and their portion and their interaction with Herod and with the child as well. And it's interesting that it's all tied together, uh, and yet we've got these little jumps sort of back and forth that we're going through. But how about I go ahead and read it, and then I'll get into it briefly. Matthew 2, 13 through 23. 
Now, after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and he killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, according to the time when he, that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken to the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. All right, so that's the passage. Now, again, a bit of a troublesome passage to encounter here in the season of Christmas, especially so closely after Christmas. We have the joy of the Christ child, and yet we see that already he's a threat to the powers that be, and they try and kill him. It starts almost instantaneously. Well, I shouldn't say instantaneously, but scripture-wise, it's very quickly after that. We have this sense, we don't know exactly how old Jesus is when the when the wise men show up or when the, the magi show up. We tend to think he's about two, and that comes from th actually this passage when Herod has the, the, the boys that are two years old and younger killed. We think that maybe a couple of years have actually gone by since the birth before the wise men have shown up, and that, you know, it took them time. They followed the the star, they came from the east, and we don't know how far, but we, we say from the Orient, at least if the song is to be believed. But time has gone by. So, you know, we see within that the mistake when we tend to try and put the wise men at the nativity. Uh, they weren't present at that. This story happens after. I want to kind of swing back around to what I've already been talking about, that we have Herod the Great. Now, granted, Herod the Great, though he, he reigned for a really long time, he was really a tyrant, and he was really, really paranoid. This is a guy who actually had several of his own kids killed because he thought they might be a threat to his rule. Think about this. Now, if the prophets are saying that there is a new king, or if the wise men are showing up and they come to Herod and say, we've seen signs in the heavens that there is a new king, and he's king, well, that's a threat to his power, isn't it? And so he's willing to kill a bunch of innocent babies just to try and eliminate this potential threat to his rule. And what's interesting is he's already fairly old by this point. Herod the Great would only live for a couple of more years after this point happens. And yet that paranoia is still there. That threat is still there. And I can't help but think that this speaks into the idea of this different thing that God is up to in the world, this utterly different thing that is the kingdom of heaven. Whatever the kingdom of heaven is, it's a threat to the illusion of power and authority and greatness that the world speaks to us. And Herod's story is really a solid example of that. Now, we know in the long run, Jesus will 
grow, he will do his ministry or have his time ministry. And he'll continue to talk about this new way of being, this new way of expressing God's love within the world for one another, God's love for humanity, God's love for the marginalized, the fact that God will be found with the marginalized. And we see that Christ the King, and maybe I'm getting my ahead of myself, Christ the King is actually the end of the church here, not here at the beginning, but this kingdom of heaven is utterly unlike anything that the world has seen and the, what the world puts stock in. And that's a threat not only to political power here in Israel, it'll be one of Herod's kids by that point, Herod Antipas, we hear about later on. Also, just the political realm of the Roman Empire. You know, when Jesus is eventually killed on the cross, he's killed for sedition, a political uprising against Rome, essentially, claiming to be king of the Jews in that whole situation. And that's what he's ultimately killed for. He's killed as an enemy of the state. This is some foreshadowing to that. I can't help but think that it's all speaking into the same thing, that even as a child, even as a helpless baby, already there was a threat to the illusion of power. And that should give us pause when we think about what is power, what is authority, what is prestige, what are all these things that we want, that we think are good, that we put our stock in, whatever, however we want to say it. Now, all that being said, I want to shift around one more time. And I talked about this in my not, not the Christmas Eve one, but the, my episode from a week ago, that Joseph plays an important part. And you know, we never hear Joseph talk, which is interesting. But his role as, as the protector of, of the child, his claim upon him as earthly father, his adoption of him, if we want to use that word, when he gives him the name Jesus, which I talked about as well, all of this really kind of comes to pass with this divine dream radar that Joseph has. He really seems tuned in. First of all, we have the, the angelic foretelling of the, the birth of Jesus. That happened before. Now we have the dream warning to take the child and flee to Egypt when Herod the Great dies. We have the dream pop up, say, hey, you can come back now. But then when they get there again, there's one more dream saying, hey, I want you to not settle right here because his son's still a threat. So it just kind of keeps going on. Joseph does play an important role. We don't want to downplay that. And yet he's he's just kind of there and then it fades into the background uh, after this as, as we zip forward into into the adult Jesus and John the Baptist. That's kind of what's coming down the pipe next. Actually, right after this, we go into chapter three and Joseph's out of the story by that point. So that's kind of what's what's happening here. I haven't gone super in depth, although I see I've already talked for quite a while. But not preaching, so not doing the background work this time around. Uh, back into the normal routine, the normal swing of things beginning next week. Just wanted to kind of keep the keep up the routine and drop some thoughts, drop some ideas, especially if you happen to be in my congregation and you're listening to this. No, I'm not going to be preaching on this passage out of Matthew because of something slightly different that we're going to do in place of a sermon this this Sunday for kind of a special holiday time. But for those of you out in the internet ether, um, of course, don't look for the sermon to come down the pipe as well, but those are just some thoughts from this random pastor here in Southwest Iowa. Otherwise, I hope you're having a blessed Christmas season, that you are enjoying time with loved ones, uh, and uh, hopefully a little bit of a break. May you get the rest that you need before getting back into the normal routine. Otherwise, I hope you have a blessed week. We will catch you next time.